Welcome to Aardvark Avarice. I'm your host, Raleigh Fingers. This podcast is brought to you by Passmore Gas and Propane, who encourages safety as you enjoy gas-powered heat during the dark winter nights. Please, no open flames near your tank, and if you suspect a leak, call Passmore Gas immediately, and a crew member will be there to sniff out the problem. Just for your information, this podcast is not a conspiracy. Tom Hanks, Pierre Richard, qui se soit rouge ou noir ou encore noir, la chasseur s'adapte. Let's corrupt the youth. Why let Socrates have all the fun? 80s edition. I suggested I was going to do an episode on corrupting the youth, and here we are. Only, when I set out to research this topic, I realized something. Youth corruption has been denounced since old farts in togas and sandals passed judgment on marble steps in the name of multiple gods. That's not much different than old farts in suits with blue and red ties passing judgment in the name of one god. Humans are an ever-playing rerun of older generations disparaging the actions and lifestyles of the youth simply because they do things differently. Don't deny it, boomers. Back in my day? Isn't that the phrase? Back in my day, we respected our elders. I'm old enough to have seen several generations of teenagers, and none of them respected their elders like Wally and the Beave. Greasers, beatniks, metalheads, hipsters, Gen Xers, millennials. Are any of those ever referred to in a positive sense? Again, boomers. I'm calling you out. Ah, the 80s. The era of my youth. Acid wash jeans. Shoulder pads. Jane Fonda workouts. Flock of seagull hair. Michael J. Fox. Big hair bands. Elf, Simon, Max Hedrum, Run DMC. And mixtape love letters. No wonder the decade was a sea of satanic activity. Apparently, Satan was alive and well during the 80s, infesting the innocent minds of our teenagers and 20-somethings, conjoling them into worshipping his greatness with dark and twisted rituals such as Dungeons and Dragons, and subliminally spreading his word through the music of Slayer, Judas Priest, Twisted Sister, and the Eagles. Yes, I know the Eagles were a 70s band, but I couldn't help mentioning that people thought Hotel California played backwards says, yes, Satan organized his own religion, or Satan, he hears this, he had me believe in him. Come on, it's the Eagles. They were to rock and roll what Billy Idol was to punk. A bit soft. Awesome, but soft. Okay, so it is rumored that they partied harder than Black Sabbath. But we'll save that for another podcast. I would really love to read a study that calculates the amount of money and time spent addressing the apparent rampant satanic worship of the 1980s. We are talking best-selling books, movies, TV spots, psychological research, 
criminal investigations from local law enforcement right on up to the FBI, court hearings, congressional hearings, and even a special by Geraldo. That's when you knew you've hit the big time, when Geraldo put it front and center. Much of the hysteria began with a young man named James Dallas Egbert III. Have you heard of him? I would be very surprised if you have. He was a Michigan State student who disappeared from his dorm on August 15, 1979. His disappearance led to Dungeons and Dragons becoming a focal point of the satanic panic of the 1980s. Yeah, that actually happened. People believed D&D was a devil-worshipping game. Stranger Things didn't make that up. Speaking of Stranger Things, Running Up That Hill also popped on my music stream. Only, it was the placebo version, not Kate Bush. Nevertheless, really good song. And one of the best parts of Stranger Things Season 4. I'm getting sidetracked. I never do that. But still, poor, poor Max. Egbert's disappearance was investigated by Private Dick William Deer. Dear old Deer perpetrated reports by the police that Egbert played Dungeons and Dragons, which could have contributed to his disappearance. Yes, the game where you take on the role of an elf or a knight or a fairy and complete quests and campaigns of a fantastical nature. Before he disappeared, Egbert was cited at Gen Con, a tabletop gaming convention where D&D was played. Can you guess the whole story got a bit sensationalized? Absolutely. Authorities and the press portrayed D&D as a dark and secretive cult that you could only join if invited. Well, yeah. Who wants to hang around a D-bag for hours who smells like that Chinese food in the back of the fridge from the restaurant shut down months ago due to its liberal outlook of what constitutes meat. Meow. Egbert did turn up later, but unfortunately, it was too late for Dungeons and Dragons. It was blacklisted. Who could possibly trust a game with that many die, and with so many sides to those die? Rona Jaffe, or Jaffe, or whatever, a journalist for Cosmopolitan, wrote a book titled Mazes and Monsters that fictionalized Egbert's experience and depicted a person who couldn't differentiate between real life and the fantasy world of his role-playing game. Mazes and Monsters being the fictional version of D&D. Let's be honest. If you actually believe you are Dritz Jordan, hero Drow Ranger, battling the evil vampire Strahd, in the dark lands of Ravenloft. The problem is not the game. If that were the case, the HeartQuest Dungeons & Dragons romance books would have sold much better. Who wouldn't want to be Shandell, a young jeweler apprentice, looking to yada yada yada, with either the young knight Corin or the experienced Sir Torbeck? I think I played the game the wrong way. Mazes and Monsters was adapted into a made-for-TV movie 
with Tom Hanks, who was looking for a more masculine role after Bosom Buddies. Really, Tom Hanks? Even you added to the craze? The star of our beloved Big? Which told teen boys to make a deal with a creepy swami machine so that they could get with a hot older woman. Guilty as charged. That takes us to our next story, Patricia Pulling. Patricia Pulling appeared on Geraldo, Sally Jesse Raphael, and Donahue, the daytime talk show versions of sensationalized social media. She also appeared on CBS's 60 Minutes, which put a little more humph behind her credibility, and was also backed by Tipper Gore, the queen of youth corruption cleanup. Now more on her later. Patricia Poling tragically lost her son to suicide in 1982. Nobody wants to believe their child is capable of that, especially when a parent doesn't or won't see what's coming. They look for someone or something to blame, and Patricia Poling put her blame on the D&D books found in her son's room. She would go on to form BAD, B-A-D-D, or Bothered About Dungeons and Dragons. BAD. It's a bit underwhelming. Bothered About Dungeons and Dragons? Winnie the Pooh is someone who is bothered. Oh, bother. Pulling was joined by Dr. Thomas Radecki, a psychiatrist of the crackpot sort and chairperson of the National Coalition on Television Violence. Dungeons and Dragons is essentially a worship of violence, he said in 1985, adding, The game is full of human sacrifice, eating babies, drinking blood, rape, murder of every variety, curses of insanity, it's just a very violent game. This is one of those quotes where I'm so overwhelmed by the number of possible one-liners and snarky responses I can make that I'm actually struck mute. I got nothing. Now, I will never take lightly child abuse. Never. I've worked with children who have been abused, and I burnt out twice from stress and secondhand trauma. I will, however, call out claims that are so ridiculous that they undermine the real work that social workers and mental health professionals do on a daily basis. Have you ever heard of the McMartin Preschool? Maybe you have, maybe you haven't. Here's the short, short version. Mother accuses a man of doing bad, naughty stuff with her kiddo while at McMartin's preschool. An investigation ensues. The kids are interviewed by a dingbat of a social worker who apparently skipped the psychology lesson on how prone children are to suggestion. I'm talking about you, Key McFarlane. The kids not only pegged the entire family and staff with hundreds of accounts of abuse, but also witnessed witches flying, rode in hot air balloons, and were taken into underground tunnels, which did not exist. And by the way, Chuck Norris was involved. 
One child picked from a set of pictures ground Chuck as his abuser. That is understandable, since even the dark is afraid of Chuck Norris. He can have both feet on the ground and kick butt at the same time. Chuck Norris can kill two stones with one bird. Apparently, the McMartins were also able to defy the laws of physics by flushing children down the toilet into secret rooms. Chuck Norris doesn't flush the toilet. He scares the crap out of it. They were also ninja abusers. That means they were super stealthy, not actually abusers of ninjas. Okay, the analogy is a bit confusing, but I have a Chuck Norris ninja joke that I want to use in just a bit. Apparently, the McMartins were holding naked gatherings in car washes and airports, right under the noses of the car wash staff and airport security. Maybe security was a little bit lax in airports during the 80s. There is a rumor that Chuck Norris was defeated by a ninja. This, of course, is a lie, crafted by Chuck Norris himself to lure more ninjas to himself. Yeah, totally worth a pathetic ninja analogy. These accusations actually led to multiple charges of abuse for the McMartin family and school staff. The court case would go on for seven years and hold the record for most expensive court proceedings in American history at around $15 million. Here's the Chuck Norris roundhouse kicker. No convictions. Not a one. For any family member or staff. Not even Chuck. Dingbat social worker Key McFarlane testified before Congress that the country was rife with orthodox satanic groups abusing children. Sound familiar? She told Congress that children were being forced to endure scatological behavior and watch ritualistic slaughter of animals. Are you curious about the word scatological? Go ahead, look it up. It's probably exactly what you're thinking. Oddly, not mentioned in the wiki entry on Satanic Panic was Tipper Gore. She had plenty to say about it at the time. Like a cancer, Satanism has come a long way since then, as heavy metal groups capitalized on a growing fascination with the occult. From the Exorcist to the Dungeons and Dragons fantasy role-playing game. If you are unfamiliar with Tipper Gore, she was the wife of then-Congressman and later Vice President Al Gore. Tipper headed up the Parents Music Resource Center, or what Frank Zappa called the Mothers of Prevention. They were a group of congressmen wives whose main focus was getting that parental advisory sticker on music albums. The PMRC went on to create the Filthy Fifteen, a list of 15 songs they found most objectionable. This included Prince's Darling Nikki and Cyndi Lauper's Shebop. Despite statements and testimony from the likes of Zappa and chorus boy John Denver, and a congressional beatdown between Dee Snyder and Al Gore, Congress decided to agree to the label. If you want to see some 80s awesome, 
watch recordings of Dee Snyder's testimony where he is in full glam rock, proving that he really wasn't going to take it. I was corrupted as a youth in the 80s. No, no, it's true. That corruption went by a single name, Madonna. She also made the Filthy 15 with Dress You Up, not like a virgin, which seems like a mistake there. You see, I was a wide-eyed teenager with an overabundance of hormones, so it didn't take much to corrupt me. The cone bras were not necessary, but amusing nonetheless. Thanks to the mystical fountain of youth we call cosmetic surgery, Madonna has deep-faked herself to look like a Bratz doll. Yep, those are still around. I think she looks like Chloe, whose fashion passion is glam with athletic and rocker vibes. That's to quote her bio. She's also all about dreaming big and being a little dramatic. Yeah, that fits the material, girl. Would we expect anything less of the Queen of Pop? Has she ever seemed like a person who would grow old gracefully? And would we ever want her to be that person? Madonna continues to corrupt me. Well, that does it for me. I'm going to go listen to the Immaculate Collection and see if it turns me towards hedonism. Here's one more Chuck Norris giggle for the road. Chuck Norris sold his soul to the devil for his rugged good looks and unparalleled martial arts ability. Shortly after the transaction was finalized, Chuck Norris roundhouse kicked the devil in the face and took his soul back. The devil, who appreciates irony, couldn't stay mad and admitted he should have seen it coming. They now play poker every second Wednesday of the month. Thank you for listening to Aardvark Avarice. I would like to mention our sponsor once again, Passmore Gas and Propane, which is 100% American, because we know you love your own brand. Located on Hershey Avenue, right between Taco Bell and Gleason's Septic and Drain Cleaners. Until next time, I am Billy Graham saying, be safe, be kind, and enjoy the Brie. Amen. Snap and clean it, snap, snap and clean it, snap, snap and clean it.